Welcome home. We are WNST AM 1570 Towson, Baltimore and Baltimore positive. I'm back out on the beat here after Valentine's Day. We had such an incredible crab cake row, a cup of Super Bowl. Uh, we did our five days. We did 40 hours of charity conversations. You've been hearing them. Uh, all of them great causes, uh, lots of tear jerkers. The rooms got dusty last week, but uh, I've been putting it all out of Baltimore Positive, all out on the radio, WNST and AM 1570. Hope you're setting a spot on your dial, uh, even if we're number six or number 12. But put us on the first panel, at least, so you find us. No, Nobody's listening to the Bay anymore. They're playing too much chili pepper. So put us on 1570. Tell them I said that. Get Brillhart angry with me. It's fine. And I haven't listened to 98 Rock in a while. But I tell you what, I went up to Harrisburg. I passed Luke Jones's house to see the great Tommy Conwell and Harris. You guys got good rock and roll stations up there at York and up in Harrisburg. <laughs> you know, I mean, I sometimes I can get them down here in Towson, but um, it's been a little while, you and me. I mean, we I guess when we got together, um, uh, uh, Bradish was still in the rotation, and uh, there wasn't that. Uh, I think the last time we got together, Ortiz had just gone to the Chargers, but certainly the last time we got together, and this is getting to be worse and worse because, like, I found some old tape of me and Brooks Robinson the other day, and then I realized he's no longer with us. And then a friend is writing a book on Tom Maddie, and I feel like I'm going to run into Tom over a crab cake sometime soon. Man, we're losing legends, and the lefty Drizel thing, before we get to football, I want to give you a little oxygen on this because uh, – I don't know, man. Guys get to be in their 90s. I've lost my mother. You know what I mean? Like it's, Bruce Springsteen lost his mom a couple weeks ago. Like, But still, lefty. Lefty was lefty, yeah. man. I mean, I, everything about Maryland basketball you ever loved really had to do with lefty. Yeah. I mean, even someone like me where lefty was before my time, you know, I was born in 83. So that was as the lefty era was starting to wind down. But I think Gary Williams said it best uh, in some of his comments over the weekend. I mean, you think about what Maryland ultimately became, and obviously the climax then was, of course, 0-2 uh, and winning the national championship. But Lefty put the Terps on the map. Uh, I mean, you, you look at what Maryland was in the ACC from a basketball perspective for decades. It wasn't much. I mean, it really wasn't until Lefty uh, arrived and famously proclaimed he was going to make UCLA the or make Maryland the UCLA of the East. And now UCLA is going to be in the same conference as Maryland, which just speaks to how crazy things have changed on the college sports scene. Uh, but I mean, you just, how can you not view it through a, a very fond lens uh, as far as what he meant? Uh, and, you know, by, by, by most accounts, you know, I, I never, I don't think I ever met lefty. I, I think interviewed him once or twice. So over the phone, uh, but I mean, just so important for Maryland and the history of the Terps and all of that. And uh, of course they had planned to, to recognize him a few weeks back uh, and, you know, obviously wasn't well enough to attend. So, you know, you could kind of sense that maybe the end was uh, approaching. You know, I, I pulled this out. I want to promote this because Tom McMillan's been a friend of mine from the beginning. So mm -hmm. Len Elmore and Tom McMillan are two men that I have known for 35 years uh, before I was nasty Nestor, even on the radio, just Len Elmore, just just such good, good men, good people, you know, mm -hmm. like all these years in and Tom comes on and, you know, whenever I ask, he'll come on. Sure. I'll come have a crab cake with you or whatever. And you're always like, you're so tall, dude. You're just such a big man, you know, <laughs> and the suspenders and all that. But Tom came on a couple of years ago with Don Moeller and I and they were honoring lefty 
for his birthday. They were kind of like doing a little roast and doing a thing with him for his 90th birthday. And I got such great stories uh, out of Tom. So I've re I replatformed it. I put it out of Baltimore Positive. You can find it on our social media thread, too. If you want to go listen to some great stories. You know, I my stories are all just being a kid and, and loving the team, right? And and I've I know you were with me when George Shulman was around and I told you about the Toyota book back in 79, 80, and 81, the ACC handbook, when there were still eight teams and Larry Nance and Jeff uh, Lee Raker and Jeff Lamp and Terry Holland and you know, everything that the ACC tournament rec represented at that point, going to the Capitol Center and seeing Muggsy and Falling for that Wake Forest cheerleader. But that was a long time ago. It was back in the 80s. <laughs> and I, I just want to say this, and we'll get on to football, because I I'm, I'm, I took a picture with Lefty in the streets of Indianapolis. It was the week that I became nationally syndicated in Nasty Nationwide. So it was, it was March Madness weekend of 1999 and um, or 2000, whatever year it was in. You can look it up, Indianapolis. And I'm walking down the street right in front of the the, the new basketball uh, arena there. I call it new. It's the field house that's there uh, that's built for basketball. It's a beautiful basketball facility. Um, and I, I Lefty was on the street and I'm just walking and there's Lefty and there's me. And I'm like, so I took a picture with Lefty. Could have been. And he had done the show plenty of time. Oh, hmm. you'll Nesta. Ah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and. And nobody did a better lefty than me in the 90s. You know, well, I know, hell, I don't know. You know, Lucas, uh, Lucas Jones got a good left hand out of Shrewsbury, you know, could play a, a tougher competition up there. But yeah, I, mean, I loved lefty. So, mm -hmm. but I never did did business with lefty. I, he never came to the barn and sat down. He was always like at Georgia State. He was gone. You know, like um, my friend, um, um, and Greg Abel, and if you're friends with Greg, he owns a local PR firm. He's actually the guy that did the We're Not Going to Take It video when I did Free the Birds. He wrote a beautiful piece about going to JMU right when Lefty went there. And mm -hmm. he had sort of turned that program around. They got into the tournament and all that. And then he went to Georgia State. But, like, he was only emeritus Maryland. He never hung out in Baltimore. He was, You know what I mean? So you didn't run into him much because he coached until he was – 80 or whatever. I mean, love ball. And um, yeah, so like to have a picture with him meant something to me because we weren't in the same room all that much, although he felt like my uncle, right? Like literally felt like my mm. uncle, but we weren't. And dude, to, to bring it full circle, and I do want to get some football in here with you, but you mentioned your birth in October of 83 and like how it correlates with the Orioles and where people would be in their lives at that point. I was born in October 68 and I started at the newspaper in January of 84. So it's 40 years ago last month that I started the paper. I was there two years and my big break in life was getting my job at the evening sun, Jack Gibbons and Mike Marlowe and Bob Nuscart. And I've talked about all that stuff, but that was in January 6th of 86, right? Len Bias died five months later. Mm -hmm. I was on duty that morning, you know, so, and I, it was it was early in the morning. I did the overnight shift and like everything about Lefty changed, you know, on June 19th, 1986. Right. And right. like that's so long. It was 40 years, 38 years ago. Like, like Lefty was never the same after that. And we can honor Lefty and put him in the Hall of Fame and love him up and like all of that. But like his reputation and legacy and everything about Maryland at that moment 
Yeah. It changed, you know, like everything about it changed. Well, then bias died and it's been you, you, when you draw it up and see it was 40 years ago since he was really, there's a period of time he wasn't welcomed at Maryland and the books came out and like all of that that happened in the late eighties. And then Bob Wade and no lights, no camera, no action. I mean, you know, say for Gary and if, and I'll get the whiz on at some point, I'll get Walt on because I love Walt. Walt's one of the great guys. Um, Maryland's done some good things. I mean, you know, I can poop on Maryland and stuff and Gary and whatever and personalities, but like the people, that, that I've gotten to know from Maryland when I start talking about good people. Walt's one of those guys. And the whole thing got sanitized by Gary, by the rivalry with Duke and Carolina being something, at least something here for local people. But I just want to say this. The other night they played on Valentine's night, and I saw a picture that got circulated about how few people were there. Yeah. And I, and I was like, and this is before Lefty died. Lefty died after that. So, right. Like Lefty died on like Saturday. Right. And this was like Wednesday, Thursday. And I saw that picture. You and I don't go. We could talk very frankly. If you and I want to have a shoot interview while you're wearing your wrestling stuff there about how they treat us like garbage and have treated me like garbage for 30 years that I don't go down there anymore. And I like basketball. I like the vibe. I like the girls. I like the wall. I, you know, I even can deal with the profanity and like the, the crassness of the Maryland fan base. But you know, it's a, it's a tattered legacy in so many ways as to where they are now with a team that's not very good right now, with a coach that's trying to figure it out, everybody in the college sports trying to figure it out, including the fans. As, and sure. that's where I would leave it is to say they played the other night and nobody was there in the middle of they played a, you know, a, a conference game on a decent weather night. Nobody was there. And I'm thinking to myself. Hmm. I wonder where it's going. I mean, I, that's what I wonder about when I think about basketball, because I know where Lefty wanted it to go and where Gary drove it. Yeah, I don't know where it is right now. I really don't. And um, yeah. when I think about Lefty and I think about the that Toyota guide back in 78 and 79 and those players and James Worthy and Michael Jordan and and ACC champion, like all of that, the real March Madness with Bird and and Magic. And I, I don't know where the sport is. And that's because I'm wayward. I'm wayward with college basketball. Just I am. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's a good place to leave it. But where Maryland is now, where people who, you know, Lefty is the one who had the the original vision of Maryland reaching those kind of heights where it had not in, in the sport of college basketball. Uh, but Gary got them there. And Juan Dixon and Lonnie Baxter and Chris Wilcox go down the list of those guys in 02. And ever since, don't say, don't mention that team without mentioning Mouton. Stop that. That's oh, my, I love Byron my, Mouton. All right, don't come on, man. And Taj Holden. I mean, we'll go down the list, right? I'm not going to let so, you mention the '79 Orioles or '83 without Rennick. I mean, you know, I'm just not going to let you but, do that. But just you know, but because you mention it, and I think this is a good place to leave off for those who are frustrated with where they are right now. I mean, Jameer Young and. That's about it, right? I mean, they're just not good enough this year. I mean, we haven't – it's the first time you and I have even talked about this season, even in passing. Uh, but Wait, for right. anyone who wants it to be great again, it started with the vision that Lefty had when he arrived in the late 60s uh, into the early 70s as far as building that kind of program at Maryland. Will it, will it reach the heights that it reached 20 years ago again? We'll see. Uh, again, to your point, the sport has changed so much with NIL, the transfer portal, all that. Kevin Willard is trying to figure that out right now. Uh, and he's got a lot of work to do because this year has not been very good. But that 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 started with the vision that Lefty Drizel had 
you know, five, five plus decades ago. And, you know, we'll see what happens here in the, in the near future, but he'll certainly be missed. No question about Luke it. Luke Jones is here. We're going to do some football. Um, we're just kind of doing a rap piece beginning of the week. Um, somebody bitched. And I find all these Oriole fanboys wind up on our Twitter and it's kind of, you know, I see what people write and stuff like that. And somebody's like, this is the worst time of year. You know, March Madison, Tarsar guy, I don't like lacrosse and I've wrestling's wrestling, the WrestleMania. Like, this is like, it is exhale time. And I said to mm-hmm. my wife, I'm here busting my ass working, doing all sorts of, we have record traffic here at Baltimore Positive. If you're the one listening, you're not the only one. Surprise, surprise. Um, but like just all sorts of things going on with the crab cake row and me like getting ready for this groundswell of change with baseball ownership and what it like, what it's going to mean, not just for me, whether I get a press pass, cause I'm concerned about that. And I'm thinking like, I hadn't thought about like that, but whether the community's going to come back and we mentioned the Terps and, um, and the football thing has always been so front and center. You know, if Eric DaCosta ever wonders when he gets that Dear Eric letter that I write him about how close we were uh, and how close I was with all the scouts, and this was the time of the year where I was the only one that cared. I was the one that went to Indianapolis. I was the one that combined. I was the one that got Sporting News books and subscribed to Mel Kuyper and called Mel on the side and, like, talked to him about what he knew and bled every scout that I could and every Billick and Kevin Byrne and everybody didn't know what was going on because there was no baseball, right? Like, I mean, we're talking about from, like, 98 through 11, there was nothing. And the, the Ravens owned this place 20 years ago. And, and it didn't matter how they were picking or where they were picking. You thought they could pick an Ed Reed. They could pick a Terrell Suggs. They could pick a Kyle Bowler uh, or a Travis Taylor or, you know, whatever they're going to do. But it was the only thing we talked about. And mm-hmm. I don't know, on the back end of the AFC Championship game and all the Lamarathon last year with the with – the, I mean, it was every day with the money and the, is he going to sign and like all that – I don't know that football is going to have that pace here over the next 90 days. And maybe that speaks to you and I having a little parting of the ways for a couple of days and I'm crab cake rowing and it's Valentine's day and we're not really talking college basketball, but the baseball thing is foremost in your mind and the minds of everybody that I run into when I'm out. I mean, I did 40 hours in front of people. People weren't coming up to me asking, is Lamar good enough? Did they lost some coaches? It's all, you know, Corbin Burns, and it's all Oriole ownership, ownership, Ruben Steen or Ruben Stein. You know, it's like the Masson or no Masson. How do I get my games? Um, and I don't know that people are banging on them to buy season tickets or whatever, the Orange Pass or get opening day or whatever, but we're talking baseball so much that the football, and this was different in 12 and 14 and 16 because Joe Flacco, Ray Lewis, they were winning Super Bowls, even when the baseball team was sort of clawing at a wild card and Buck was trying to buckle us up and all of that. This is a incredible time because it may be the first time ever where the football team's going to like sit in the back seat for a little while. And that's just because they don't play. I mean, and because they're not going to splash anything. I, I don't I mean, unless something awful happens, but they're not going to splash anything that's going to make us say, oh, we might win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's important to always have the proper lens here. It's always relevant considering the NFL is king, not just in Baltimore, but anywhere where there's an NFL team. I mean, the the ratings for the Super Bowl reflect that every year, right? We know that. But that said, relatively speaking, compared to uh, years past, sure. I, I think there's there, there's something to that. I think there's 
we, we talked about this when the season ended and obviously ended in such great disappointment, but there is very much a sense of, okay, what's next? What do you have to do? What gets you over the hump? And when you have a year like they just had, a regular season specifically like they just had where, I mean, it was, I, I think a lot of people very much felt and probably still feel that was the best regular season team in franchise history. Now, record-wise, 19 was a little bit better. You can talk about 2006 or 13 and three that year, but you know we 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 always say legacies are defined in January, and that's where the Ravens are. That's where Lamar Jackson is. That's where they are, John Harbaugh included. You know, as as he's now 12 years removed from uh, having led the Ravens to a Super Bowl in his fifth year as head coach, uh, but there is a sense of what's next, and you know you do get that lull in the offseason. Again, law, I use that loosely because it's not like other sports where it goes away entirely. The NFL never truly goes away. Uh, but at, at least until, you know, the combines coming up here, we're a little less than a month away from the start of free agency. But for the Ravens, there's there very much is this sense of can you avoid having too much attrition? You know, we've already seen this with Mike McDonald walking out the door and Anthony Weaver and some of the, you know, some of the other Denard Wilson, some of the other assistant head coaches uh, who've gotten promotions elsewhere. Uh, we are going to see it. Uh, and you know, the, this first deadline that's actually this week, you know, uh, with the 19th that Monday, uh, as far as the void year contracts that they had to do last year, right? They did it with Kevin Zeitler. They did it with Gus Edwards. They did it with Nelson Aguilar. They did it with Beckham, although they've they redid his deal a little bit to kind of kick that can down the road. But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens there. Rock Yassine, Geno Stone, Monday, that Monday, the 19th is kind of the deadline in terms of if you want to re-sign any of those guys and try to avoid that dead money hitting the cap. Well, that's when their contracts void. So it's not like this major headline that ESPN's talking about. But as it pertains to the Ravens, it's the difference right there of. $10 million in dead money hitting the cap, which is not insignificant. So, you know, it, it's kind of the next checkpoint in the offseason in terms of, do you get a deal done with Zeitler? Now, let's be clear with any of those guys I just mentioned that Monday's deadline can pass and they can still re-sign them, but that dead money hit stays on the cap then. So it's just, you know, it's basically potential dollars you can spend on your roster going down the drain. Well, so, the deadlines are what makes these things happen. Exactly. Enough. If exactly. Zeitler's serious about being here and they're serious and they're where they are, and if not, it'll just hit the market and it'll just be another guard, right? Like literally, right? And then you see. And then maybe you get something done then, but the chances seem generally go down when that happens. So, but the point is... This is the time to be checking everybody's Instagram This is when they say goodbye to places, right? Like, right, right. They're the ones that announce it now. Uh, although he's, he's not too... Uh, act his wife is pretty active on Twitter, uh, but but he isn't. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out I, again. For the Ravens, it, there's such a sense of, I don't think anyone is looking at this on paper in terms of how are you going to be better in the regular season? You know, it's kind of like what we talked about with the Orioles talking about, well, how do you duplicate 101 wins? That's not really the objective. The objective is you got to get to the postseason. Everyone understands that. That's why the, you know, the regular season's important through that lens. Yeah, the objective this, is who's your three starters in October and how yeah, healthy but, are they at that moment. But but you look at where the where the Ravens are, I mean, okay, Lamar's a two-time MVP. We know what that means in terms of a legacy that likely lands him in Canton, even if he doesn't win a Super Bowl. But in terms of the legacy itself and enhancing the legacy itself, 
It's all about January and February. And it's not just for him. It's everyone on this team at this point. I, I, short of them going 17-0 and 0, and being in that conversation where the 07 Patriots were and obviously the 72 Dolphins, I'm not sure what they could possibly do in the regular season that's going to have anyone saying anything but, okay, that's good. What about the playoffs? What about doing it in that's January? That's also I mean, can be said for the offseason, Luke. That, that was my point. Sure. My point is sure. there's nothing they're going to yeah. do. They sign Zeitler. They don't sign Zeitler. They they right. they they fanoy. They bad, but they, you know they draft a guy at thirty. Yeah, they draft a guy. You know yeah. we hope he can play. Like and we'll see. It's tough. And then you, you know like and by August when they're out running around and and like playing football. You know the Orioles better be uh, eighty-one and fifty-eight, and you know, headed you toward so. wherever. Right? I mean, headed toward wherever you think they're going to be headed. That the Orioles are going to have all of this daily grind, and the mm-hmm. Ravens aren't going to have a pop tart. They just unless something awful happens, they're they're not going to do anything amazing to make anybody say, "Well, they're going to get through the championship game next year." And I think that that's a different. Temperature and the dude, I'm stating the obvious here. I mean, it's the yep. gorilla in the room, right? Peter Angelos isn't going to own the baseball team, so all focus, all my focus, isn't on whether Chad Steele's still Chad Steele or whether John's still, you know, coach for life or whether Lamar drove too fast on the highway or played street ball with a bunch of kids at a charity thing, like whatever. There's going to be like games every day and pitching and this mm-hmm. and that, but there's going to be this thing with the baseball team where the really interested observers like you and me are going to say, this is their chance to grow. And like, yeah. what are they going to do to make sure their stadium's not empty the way the Terps are empty or where the Ravens were 13 and four and had the greatest team of their generation. And there were seven games where tickets were $10 on game day, home games. So how, how are, how is the baseball team going to capture the imagination of more than white suburban folks in our community and how are they going to change 30 years of just the worst brand I could imagine? You know what I mean? Like they've just, it's such an awfully tattered brand, but 101 wins, Jim Palmer still on in your living room every night. We still have a hat somewhere. We want to grasp onto something, all the knee people with the Wembley. And I don't love the Ravens anymore. All the, Hey, Terps don't do it for me anymore. Boy, the Orioles have a have a lane here in more than just nerds like you that love baseball and stats and like that. I'm talking about where we say, oh, the girls have like have a crush on the players and there's pink jerseys and there's a mob scene downtown every night and my nest thing and Fadley's are packed and it's it's back to not maybe where it was in the nineties where half of DC comes up here and whatever, but it feels like there's a big change about to happen with baseball here and football. I don't know that they're prepared for that over there or that they care, but I think that we're going to wind up talking a whole lot more baseball because the world here is going to talk a lot more baseball. And I think that that's going to give them a chance to go heal. Right. I mean, they don't want to be out peacocking about, the steamer they left down there and how they didn't run the ball. And we haven't talked about all that because it's so last month, but it's all John thinks about when he's out at dinner in March and April and runs into fans. It's all he could talk about to me when the last time I was in his company was, you know, the failure at the end of the season and how it eats him up and like all of that. Um, They're going to have some downtime, you know what I mean? And that's, that's not bad for them, but, 
they're going to be a diminished football team in perception until such point that they go out on the field and they're five and one or whatever. And we're like, oh, they're just as good as they were last year, because I think that's going to be hard to be as good as they were last year. And so do you. Yeah, yeah. And that doesn't mean they won't be a playoff team. That doesn't mean they won't win the AFC North. That doesn't mean that they won't be there next year in the AFC championship game. But yeah, when you look at the kind of season that they had, it's just it's difficult to duplicate that. You know, they they stayed relatively healthy, you know, uh, save for a couple guys, which we've certainly seen in recent history that that's not always the case. But, you know, you, you made the point about a quiet offseason. I think they need that. I think that could actually be something that could be used to their benefit. I mean, you think about the last couple of years, what we were, you, you mentioned it already talking about Lamar's contract and Lamar's contract and Lamar's contract and then Lamar's contract some more. I mean, just that talking point, not being there alone should be beneficial to everyone just because it's not this dark cloud hanging over the organization's head in that way. But whatever is a flowers was... thing was last week and whatever becomes of that, like, yeah, that, that's, and that's a, that's, that's, the, that's, that's what you don't that's want. That's a record. That's a game record for the offseason. Exactly. And that's it, what I'm saying. Like, that's the only the only headline they're going to get is that kind of headline because they're not going to make any other I mean, football headline that's going to be of that significance. I, I mean, maybe a Justin Matabike contract extension. You know what I mean? But even that, that's like, okay, that's exciting for a day, but is everyone talking it's about that It's not an addition. That just keeps us as good as we were. Right. right. Well, but the point is, well, but that's a big part of what they're going to have to do. I mean, for them to be as good as they were last year in the this past year in the regular season it's going to be internal it's going to be holding on to as many of your guys as you can it's going to be young guys improving uh and you know tr the draft right i mean it's the lifeblood for this organization and yeah come late april people will be jazzed up about the draft there's no we getting the sandwich that. picks luke that's all but, i need to know right right exactly well and and based <laughs> on this coming this off season we're about to embark on They'll have some. They're they're gonna have some comp picks next off season because they're gonna lose some guys. I mean, there's no question about it. So, but this isn't uncharted territory for them in, in that way. You know that the the good teams. You know the teams that are in the position that the Ravens have been in at least on a regular season basis. You have attrition. I mean, that, the system's set up that way, right? I mean, they're in a position where they're gonna have to create some cap space and they're gonna lose some guys and they're gonna have to restructure some guys and. Even someone like a Ronnie Stanley may not even be here come the fall, you know, depending on how they decide to approach that deal. So, you know, that's it's part of it. And to your point, they're probably not going to make many splashy headlines. And I think, again, on the heels of two years of Lamar Jackson contract saga, it's probably not the worst thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, uh, let I mean, somebody just, else deal with that. Yeah, let someone else talk about that breathlessly, which I, I will not miss By the that way, who's going to be the drama team this offseason? I'm trying to figure this out. Like, it was all Jets and Aaron Rodgers. I'm, I'm, just, yeah. I'm just like, who? But, but And by the way, I, I, um, you know, I checked out when the NFL owners meetings are down in Orlando and spring training, and I put dates in. I didn't realize the draft's in Detroit this year, which mm -hmm. the draft's in Detroit this year. So I threw that into the calendar, and I thought – well, it's the end of April. The Orioles will be, I don't know, 14 and six by then or something like that. You know, I'm, you hope? I, yeah. dude, I'm just trying to have fun here. I'm trying, sure. I'm, I'm playing it out. I haven't been able to talk about what the Orioles are going to be on draft day. Like never or ever. Um, and certainly not the thought that they're going to be under new ownership by the time Justin Tucker puts his foot on the football and kicks it in September. So yeah, I, I am breathing deeply taking it all in, trying to get healthy so I can live longer, long enough to be there next to you at the parade 
in the press box, maybe, you know, with with a clubhouse badge, not sitting at the kids table. Um, But but nonetheless, I mean, I'm I am at 55 and having done this for 32 years now and 40 years of journalism behind me. I see this year as just um, an incredible year to be alive here for the city and for improvement for all the stuff I talk about Baltimore positive. Dude, I'm going to CFG Bank Arena to see Journey this week, right? Like that, you know, there, there's, there, the harbor's going to be something. We're all going to fight about it, but they're going to build something down there. And mm-hmm. the baseball and football team are getting a whole bunch of money and trying to lift the city in whatever way they can, you know. So I'm interested in the baseball team. Everything about how this local guy is going to bring Bloomberg and Cal Ripken and $1.8 billion. And we're never going to talk about John boy again and whatever incompetence that they show from that day forward will be on them. And I'm looking for a, a, a blank screen and a, and a, and a fresh canvas for me, for the fan base, for everybody that's had a bad run in with the Angelos family or Masson, or you can't get their games or the ticket prices or the hot dogs were cold or just any of it. I'm looking for it to really lift the city. And I'm going to be talking a lot about that much more so than you could talk about who the number three and four starters are. And I will too, but I'm going to be paying attention to the bigger picture of, you know, what this means for Westmore, what this means for Brandon Scott, what it means for the election what it means for the stadium with the new ownership and what they're really planning for a hotel that's in receivership and just that area. Because um, if smart people came in and they take this baseball thing that you love and your mother loves and your sister loves and your niece is going to love and they do something really cool with it, it can be so much more effective than a football team in eight games and some tailgates for the city, you know, for what it can be. I live downtown I, for 20 years. I know what yeah. it can mean when big series happen and when people love the team. And they feel aligned with the team, and the and the team is a love mark. It's loved and respected. Not, I used to love it. I used to respect it, but they've been shitting on me for thirty years. You know what I mean? Like that's going to go away, and that's going to be something that they that they really should be focused on is on how to get everyone to not love it in spite of the owner or in spite of its warts or in spite, but to love it, and um, they have a chance. I, I have they have a chance with me. They have a chance with everybody. And for that, this was a football segment. But mm-hmm. I, I do think once baseball starts and plays every night, they're going to have a real opportunity here to snooker lots of folks in in a way that the football team will not have that opportunity until the baseball team has already won your heart by the end of the summer to some degree. And then the football team can go play. But to your point, they're not going to yeah. play a game that matters till next January. Like that's how the competition of these two teams. We talked about Boston years ago where they were all really good and they kind of mm-hmm. had to make headlines. I don't feel like it, they're looking to get the Baltimore Suns headlines or care what you and I talk about every day, but I do think they care about money and I think they care about the perception of where their brand is and where it's going. And there's about to become a healthy competition here with a new baseball owner that might not behave like Chad Steele or Greg Bader or – and he's got Cal Ripken out in front of it. Maybe the whole thing will behave like Cal Ripken and be really professional and really cool and really local and really awesome. And maybe people will be nice. And I, I know I talked a lot about that. And I think the baseball focus for me the next five or six months is really going to take a lot of whatever off the Ravens and whatever off their number 30 draft pick and whatever off the 
expectation of the fan base. Yeah, we want them to win the Super Bowl next year, mm-hmm. but I don't think anybody really thinks they're going to be a better team next year. That might go well in December, in December, January. We'll get into it, but I, don't, I, I think the baseball team's going to have full attention for the first time since, certainly since I've owned WNSD and it's been 25 years. And I think for that, I don't even know what to make of that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it'll be full attention because, again, the NFL is just so wildly popular, and I think that's the case in Baltimore, just like it is in any other market. But I definitely think the share, right, the share of attention, the the distribution of attention can definitely change. And, and by the way, I think it started last year, even in spite of John Angelos, because the team was as good as they are. But now, when you talk about what's going on behind the scenes and how that can augment and fortify what they're do- already starting to do on the field. Yeah. It, it's something well, that but you'd the like night to that think Lamar has- throws at the first pitch in May or June when it's a Friday night and they're giving away something yeah. and they're in first place and there's, I mean, that'd be awesome. it's full when it's full yeah. in Lamar. Like we, they haven't had moments like that. I mean, yeah. and it's up to the community to make that happen. And, but I, you know, there was always the, but I wouldn't give money to these creeps that own the team. Mm-hmm. And it would always came to that for me. Right. And a lot sure. of people didn't give money to the creeps that own those and me being one of them. Right. I, I'm not going to feel that way about the new, you know, like I'm just not, I'm going to be more like show up, see how they are, see what's going on. I know the team's good, dude. I know the team's good. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the price point's right. I don't know if the value's right. I don't I, I, I don't know what the press conferences are going to look like. I don't know what the television broadcasts are going to like, look like. All of that remains to be seen. But, man, there's such a focus on it because you couldn't take your eyes off the train wreck of the last 30 years because they didn't do much right at all. And the football team, they're going to manage what they manage in the offseason. I mean, and, and really one of the things they have going on is building a new stadium, right? Like even mm-hmm. my lottery friends for the big giveaway that they had from the Ravens tickets, the inside of the stadium's a mess. I was down there the other day. It's a construction zone. Um, so they're really racing to get whatever they're going to get done, done as quickly as they can for when they open the football stadium back up because they're not having Beyonce come down there and shake it this year because they're in a construction mode right now. No question. I mean, that, that's got to be ready by what? The second week of August or end of July, whatever it is. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I just think, and, and you and I talked about this a little bit when we were at Coco's a couple of weeks ago, I just think the potential, you know, when you start thinking about upside, right? I mean, you always think about that in terms of like a young player or something like that, but you look at the Orioles having the upside that they've had on the field for a couple of years now, but there was always the caveat of, okay, what about ownership? What about when it comes to time to pay some of these young guys? What what about when it comes to increasing payroll and augmenting with free agents? And that's all just the baseball side, to your point, the business side. And understanding that. Who's making yeah, that decision? This, reno- this renovation for Oriole Park at Camden Yards to, to bring a, a vibrance to a 30-plus-year-old ballpark that gives it another 30 years of people being proud and wanting to go downtown and wanting to be at the ballpark and – adjusting, you know, whatever adjustments are going to be made in terms of, I'm guessing, seating capacity and where you're putting a bar or a restaurant or where you're moving this or that with suites and all that, but still maintaining the charm that Camden Yards has had for 30 years. Like, the, we've talked about it a lot, the TV network, Masson. And by the way, that's not just the Orioles. That's all of baseball figuring out these issues right now. Uh, and many issues that the NFL is figuring out uh, to varying degrees, you know, that the Ravens are figuring out that they didn't have to deal with 20 years ago. Uh, but there is a vibrance, there's an enthusiasm, there's an excitement about the potential of what this could become. And not just being like, 
oh, all the oxygens for the Ravens or all the oxygens for the Orioles. It could be that people are really excited about both teams year round. But it right? couldn't have been like that without the baseball team being sold, to your point. It, it couldn't have. Yeah, exactly. Unbr- exactly. It couldn't there, have unbridled enthusiasm. There was a ceiling. There was a ceiling. Yes. In, in the way that, look, Buck Showalter and Dan Duquette, those were some really fun years. It was fleeting. It, it felt like it was like a, this happy accident that happened, but it was fun. But there was always sense a, a sense of, I don't know. I mean, are they going to be able to sustain this? And certainly we, we saw that they couldn't. But now there's endless possibilities in terms of what this could become. I've said it to you. Doesn't mean that, oh, they're going to have a $300 million payroll. It's, that, that's only, you know, that, that's part of the equation. But for me, it's can you build something that isn't just really good right now, but it can be three years from now and a decade from now, you can say, all right, they might have a lean year or two here or there. I mean, that, that happens. It's sports. But in terms of, thinking about the next 20 years or how about the next 30 years in comparison to looking back at the last 30 years where it was mostly lousy thinking the next 30 years could be mostly good to great. If you run it well and you make good decisions and you have good people and you have ownership that wants to make it great and isn't just worried about turning a profit uh, with the value of a franchise. So yeah, there's a lot of excitement on that front and you know, so much of it's on the field. Uh, I'll continue to say that, but it goes beyond that. And now you're in a position with this new group coming in. And we look, let's be very clear. We don't know how it's going to go. We No one knows that for sure. But we know how the last 30 years have gone. And just the unknown there and the potential there and the, the upside there. Boy, that's really, really exciting. I mean, I that's why I said up until the, the Bradish thing, uh, you know, on Thursday when, when pitchers and catchers started working out, I said, I don't think there's been a year where Orioles fans have been this excited for the start of spring training. To me, I, I go back to 96 where, okay, we didn't, at that point, it was still new with Angelos and like not knowing how exactly that was going to go, but they hired Pat Gillick. They hired Davey Johnson. They were spending money on all-stars like Roberto Alomar. And, you know, the the, the payroll, all that. To me, you have to go back to that point in time, and we're talking almost 30 years there for the excitement level being where it is for the Orioles right now. So I know we're talking about baseball now, and we started talking about the Ravens. You know, the the Ravens, it's been built in for a long time, assuming they're going to be good and trusting that they're going to make more good decisions than bad, and they're certainly going to be good. You know, they're way more likely to be good than bad. I mean, they've built that up over close to a quarter century now, to their credit. You know, regardless of whether they're perfect or not, or, or it's been 12 years since they've made it to a Super Bowl, the Orioles are chasing anything close to that, you know, and now it finally looks like they have a chance that they could build something like that, where it's not just good in 2023, like it was last year or 2024, but it could be good in the years to come and really good in the years to come. And to maintain that in the way that the Ravens have just the the, the possibility uh, of being able to think that way and imagine it being that way. That's really exciting. Understanding that yeah, they've got a lot to figure out in the way that pro- professional sports in 2024 has a lot to figure out. We're seeing that with these streaming deals left and right with sports and rights fees and all that, how that's going to, how that's all going to pan out. We don't know for sure, but it's a lot more exciting around here on the baseball front than it's been. And like I said, you have to go back almost three decades to, for me to find that before, you know, like I said, the Kyle Bradish thing, but even so people are still really, really excited. 
Remember I got excited running into Deepak Chopra on the streets up in New York a couple of years ago. He, he has a little term. Because you're not doing anything this week, you, you can study this. Pure potentiality. Pure yeah. potentiality. There you go. So <laughs> here's, give you a little Deepak here. Uh, Luke is Luke Jones. He is Baltimore Luke out on the, the Instagram and the uh, the X's and the Twitters and the uh, threads and the Facebooks. And I'm out on the LinkedIn's. Um, we're going to be doing uh, some continuing crab cake roast stuff this week as well as sort of adding to the collection i'm so excited to have rick emmett from triumph coming on this week so i'm uh, adding some rock stars around here uh, as well as some some football and baseball related stuff here people i didn't get to some people i wanted to have on before the super bowl or in the season some people I, i've been waiting on on the baseball side to have on and i don't want to wait till we get into the middle of the season so uh, next couple weeks it's going to be a hodgepodge of things here. We're going to get the Maryland Crab Cake Tour back out on the road. I'll be giving away the 10 times the cash tickets. Uh, but uh, I, I wore myself out with the Crab Cake Row and the Cup of Super Bowl. So it is February. I'm usually like on the beach somewhere around this time. Take a little downtime after a Super Bowl to ramp up for a spring training thing. But we're here. We're working hard. And uh, we appreciate everybody uh, making it happen, subscribing to our YouTube, subscribing to all sorts of stuff. Uh, and uh, our tech service still alive and well as well. So any breaking news will happen there. And our friends at Curio Wellness and Foreign Daughter for giving me a really cool I'm a blunt person shirt. So it started with Lefty Giselle. It went through Ravens this and ended with pure potentiality of the baseball team and life beyond Kyle Bradish. I am Nestor. He is Luke. We are WNST AM 1570 Towson, Baltimore, back on the beat talking sports, even when there ain't none right now, but uh, there will be soon. Pitchers and catchers are in this time next week. They'll be playing fake baseball. 